everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melniki, accompanied by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing today, Robert? Ali, I'm doing great. Um, didn't think that deadline day in the NFL was going to be so significant, uh, uh, but it sure did. And uh, all these moves definitely had ramifications on week nine lines. Oh, definitely. And let me ask you real quick before we get into analyzing the games. It was a record day yesterday. I believe 10 same day trade deals before the deadline. Which trade yesterday really just surprised you in both a good way and which one surprised you in a bad way? Uh, The good is seeing uh, Wilson move from San Francisco to Miami. That made complete and total sense. Goes from, you know, one 49er offensive scheme to basically the East Coast version of the same scheme. I think he's going to have really great success starting pretty much from day one in, in you know, at, at the Meadowlands when they play uh, against the Jets. I think we're going to see immediate dividends from him. He's going to be a massive upgrade. And, uh, well, uh, the one that's uh, the most disappointing is the one that didn't happen. Uh, where yeah. were you, Green Bay Packers? Um, nothing at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, you saw the Bears acquire Chase Claypool. Uh, heck, Minnesota even got TJ Hawkinson right. from an uh, interdivision team. It's just, I guess, uh, you know, uh, sorry, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> That's all I can say. Sorry. Yeah, I agree. I, I was baffled Green Bay didn't make any type of move whatsoever especially after the Bears acquired Chase Claypool. I thought for sure they would go after Brandon Cooks, at least Elijah Moore, but nada, nothing. There were no even any whispers with Green Bay yesterday. I was completely appalled by that. I, I just couldn't believe they would just do Aaron Rodgers dirty like that. They already did him dirty a few years ago when they drafted. They Well, they traded up to draft Jordan Love and missed out on some great receivers in that draft. So, I don't know if Matt LaFleur just secretly has it against Aaron Rodgers or what, but I was baffled by it. The treat I liked the most probably was Bradley Chubb going to the Dolphins. I know the Dolphins gave up a ton for him, but it it shows they're in it to win it this year. And if there was one Achilles heel with the Dolphins, it was their defense, particularly their pass rush. Chubb going to the Dolphins reminds me a lot of Von Miller going to the Rams last year. The Rams needed that extra boost on defense, and he made all the difference. So I think that's my my winner is the Dolphins getting Chubb as, along with Jeff Wilson. That's another one. They shipped off Chase Edmonds to Denver as well to make room for Wilson. So overall, I thought the Dolphins definitely won the day. I think that if I had to give a loser, I don't know why the Chicago Bears traded a second round pick for Chase Claypool, but we can get into that later. So let's get straight to the games, uh, marquee games of the week that I wanted to highlight. And similar to what I was saying about last Sunday night's game with the Packers and Bills, preseason, if you circled Rams versus Bucks in week nine, everyone would be clamoring to this TV to see what would presumably be an offensive shootout but that doesn't seem to be the case so robert for the rams and bucks what are we looking at for the odds here ali to start off our podcast yeah this one's steady as she goes tampa was opening as a three-point favorite there's still a three-point favorite and the total set to 42 and a half so this is one where it looks like the status of Cooper Cup is it indicates sean mcveigh said that he will play now whether he plays or not i don't know 
what kind of shape he's going to be in. He avoided a, a major sprain, but I don't know if that, that, that ankle, I believe is still going to be tender or what. Nevertheless, with or without cup, I'm going to lean toward the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on this game solely because, well, two reasons. One, they had 10 days rest in between their loss to Baltimore now. So they they do get that extra rest. I do think that does make a difference. I've kind of studied trends about teams that play on Thursday and how they do 10 days later. And it does benefit them for getting the extra rest, especially if they're banged up. But I just think that Tampa Bay still has a little more in the tank than the Rams. I think if you look on offense, Tom Brady, he still has all the weapons. He still has Chris Godwin. He still has Mike Evans. He still has Leonard Fournette. When I look at the Rams, all I see is Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup. And if Cooper Cup's not 100%, I don't see how the Rams win this game. Who are you taking, Robert? Ali, you know, oddly enough, these two teams, they seem really similar, right? You know, both of them have offensive line issues. Both are clearly underachieving. And they're both coming off of losses in which they held halftime leads. So, I mean, I I figure with – we look at Tampa. We know they they just can't push the ball downfield no matter how much Tom Brady might want to. And they really haven't run the ball like any, like, violence since week one against Dallas. Right. It's kind of what we touched on on Monday. It's just – it just seems so anemic offensively. I think the Rams hold like a slight edge solely because their defense has performed better statistically to this point. I mean, I, I know it, you know it's games against underwhelming offenses. They played Carolina and then Atlanta was well, okay. And then there's Arizona, but LA came out on top of those. This just seems like another instance in where I think LA just squeaks out a win, you know, over a struggling team really late. I like the Rams on the money line here. Okay, that's a good point. I know that this is a game I'm not 100% on. I'm literally just picking the Bucks based on my office pool purposes. It could change if Cooper Cup gets back into practice and he looks to be 100%. I might change that. We also know that this is a rematch from the playoffs last year. We all know that the Rams had a multi-touchdown lead. Somehow the Bucks improbably came back to almost win. Cooper Cup broke off the defense, scored the game-winning touchdown, sent Tom Brady into a short retirement after that. So I do think there's a motivational edge to that. And I do I do put a lot of stock into motivational edges. So that's another reason why I want to side with Tampa on this one. I think a lot of Tampa's roster is still bitter about that loss. I think they have a shot to really step up. They also have been sitting on 10 days of criticism. I know they've received criticism the past three weeks, but their criticism was highlighted by the fact that they were the only team to play on Thursday night. So they yeah. had to hear it all of Friday, all of Saturday, when there was nothing else to talk about in the NFL except previewing games. So I think that there's a little bit of an edge. I do think the Rams traveling to Tampa, that is a travel that does make a difference with the West Coast team going to the East Coast. It's a little less time to perform. I just think Tampa will be a little more rested, a little more suited up. I'm going to go with Tampa on this one. Now, when it comes to the total, I'm actually going to go the other way that most people think. I'm going to take the over on this one. I do think, even though that both defenses are a little better, are performing a little better than their offenses, I do think that Tom Brady and the offense breaks out a little bit. And I do think the Rams can still put up points against Tampa Bay's defense. So I'm leaning over. How about you, Robert? Fair enough. I, I thought that the number was set a little bit low. Uh, you know, both of these teams obviously, you know, were, were far, far better in, in terms of their output week over week. But 
the, the trend kind of let it sit right where it's at. And honestly, I, I think to me, this one would be a pass. If, if anything, uh, at 42 and a half, it probably lands really, really darn close. Right. If anything, maybe 44. So a uh, slight edge to the over myself, but I, I think I'd pass on the total for here for me. All right. Well, let's hope this is a good game otherwise, because these are two franchises that are one of the premier, whether they're performing or not. So I still want to see a good game. Let's move on to the Titans and the Chiefs. So this is a rematch. If you remember last year, the Titans completely embarrassed the Chiefs in their regular season matchup. I believe the final score was something like 27 to three. It sent all Chiefs fans on a frenzy. People were clamoring that Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, they were done. No, they weren't done. They ended up going on to win the AFC East, getting to the AFC Championship game. And here we are today. They're back in first place. The Titans, they see they had a rough start to the year, but they've been performing better since losing the first two games. We saw Malik Willis play last week, and I think you could have put in at this point, even Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud in college, and they would have done better than uh, against the Texans because the Texans just looked just looked awful. And I pity Texans fans this Thursday night having to face the Eagles. But where are we? Do we know yet, Robert? Who's playing on Sunday? Is it going to be Willis or is it going to be Tannehill back? Yeah, as of this very moment, he is still questionable. Uh, that that ankle sprain is obviously significant enough to keep him on that list. Uh, and, and so right now, his status is still questionable for the game against Kansas City. Well, whether he's questionable or not, what are we looking at for the odds? And probably because of that, we opened up Kansas City as an 11-point favorite on Sunday night, and it boosted immediately up to 12, where it's sitting at. Uh, a couple of 12 and a halfs, uh, but the total locked in at 46 and a half, Allie. So this is a very high number, and my first instinct was to jump right onto the Chiefs. Andy Reid is great coming off a bye. We all we all know the stats. It's some ridiculous. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's some ridiculous number how good he is not only winning but covering against the spread coming off a bye week. Then I thought more, hey, I have a feeling that it's going to be Malik Willis again. I don't think they're going to rush Ryan Tannehill back, but I could be wrong. But even if it is Malik Willis playing over Ryan Tannehill, one thing the Titans have is Derrick Henry, and they're going to use that same game plan they used against the Texans. They're just going to keep feeding Henry the ball. They're just going to keep pounding it. And the Chiefs don't have a good run defense whatsoever. They're they're not That's not one of their strongest assets to their game. So for me, as big as a number it is, whether it's Willis or whether it's Tannehill, I just got to take the points with the Titans. It's way too much of a number. Really, Kansas City, I know they've been playing great. I know they blew out the Buccaneers. I know they blew out the Niners when they last played. But, Robert, I I can't pass up 12 points with with a team that's first in their division. Who are you taking? I think that not only will Derrick Henry be responsible for an easy cover for the Tennessee Titans, even if I'm the quarterback in Kansas City, I actually think that there's a good chance that they even win this game Sunday. Wow. Wow. Uh, you know, it's it's peak Derrick Henry right now. A historic performance versus the Texans is just going to continue. Uh, the, the game plan is set. They've, they've rolled to victory after victory, not to mention cover over after cover. They're 5-0 they're oh against the spread in their last five, so I, I definitely think they cover uh, with, with a very good outside shot at an outright victory, Ellie. 
That's a bold statement. And I wouldn't be shocked. This is just seems like one of those games. And even talking to friends that are that that are sports betters like me, everyone's jumping on Andy Reid. Everyone knows that Andy Reid covers well against a bye. It, it got me to thinking, Robert, you know, are 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 sports books taking that into account? Do they know Andy Reid's success off into uh, uh, success after a buy? Is that taken into account when making the spread? Allie, only like minutely, and it, only if it plays into the stew. What I'm saying is, look, I, I want to set a number that it, it goes off of the track record, off of what we saw not only last week. But what we've seen in the last month and obviously taking into effect everything that has uh, to do with the injury report. So when we open up the number very late Sunday, sometimes early Monday morning, if it's just too late uh, and I can't think straight anymore, it's basically putting up a number that I think is going to uh, give me an idea for where the right side is. Trust me, my my very, very sharp uh, betters uh, my I think they are listening to our podcast. Uh, they help me. Uh, I get price discovery all the time from them. Mm-hmm. They'll let me know if I'm off. Uh, for example, you know, I, I I thought Tennessee was going to be the right side, so I opened them 11. Well, you know, it's it's bumped up to 12. So, and that's where it's been. Matter of fact, I see a couple of 12 and a halfs. But personally, I I, I still think getting double digits with Tennessee, personally, uh, from a betting perspective, is is too enticing. And this is one of the instances whereas I usually like to wait to the day of the game to jump on point spreads. I would jump on the 12. If you're lucky to get 12 and a half, take it right now. Because if there is a chance that Ryan Tannehill plays, Robert, I would imagine the spread would come down even a point or two, correct? It drops for certain. Yeah. So definitely jump on Tennessee right now. Robert and I both say this is this is this is one of my favorite picks of the week. Tennessee is starting to play a lot better. I think even though I've been saying they've been overperforming for weeks, they are still a solid team. You can't underestimate Mike Vrabel is a very good coach. It's not like Andy Reid's going up against a Nathaniel Hackett in this one. Take the points with Tennessee. All right, let's move on to the Seahawks and the Cardinals, which a few weeks ago, who would have thought that we would be highlighting the Seahawks. I mean, they've, they've jumped into the top 10 of many power rankings. So what are we looking at for the odds in this one, Robert? It's, it, it truly is. It's incredible. And I, uh, that being said, well, I, I had Arizona set as two and a half. There were a couple of my colleagues wanted to open it at three. Uh, that got bet down to two. Arizona here at Baldini's is one and a half. The total we opened up at 49 and a half and it got jumped up a little. We're at 50 and a half right now for this game in Arizona. Well, first I'll say I love the over. I I love the over in this one. I don't think either team has that great of a defense. I know Seattle's defense has been playing a little bit better, but they have faced some teams like the Giants recently, who we know, even though I'm a Giants fan, they can't score a ton of points. But in this one, I talked to a few people who were shocked that the Cardinals were favorites. Cardinals just lost to the Vikings. They're in the bottom of of the NFC West. But this doesn't surprise me at all. It's kind of like last week when the Giants were three-point underdogs to the Seahawks. I had a feeling that that was a trap game. I think this is a trap game for Seattle. Seattle has been riding on their high horse the past few weeks. They go into Arizona to face a division rival. We know Seattle doesn't play as well on the road as they do at home. Just look a, a few weeks ago when they lost to the Saints at, at Saints in New Orleans. You can look a few weeks ago even before that when they lost on the road. 
I like the Cardinals on this one. I don't think that I don't think that it's that preposterous. The Cardinals are favored over the Seahawks. I actually think the Cardinals win comfortably here. They actually should have beat the Vikings, in my opinion, last week. But Greg Dorch had a had a fumble that that punt that punt return that set Minnesota up to taking a multi score lead. So for me in this one, I'm siding with Arizona. How about you, Robert? I'm done picking against Seattle for the first year. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, fair. Right. What what more does Geno Smith need to do to convince us all that this team's for real? Right. It's it's kind of the same conversation that we just had with the Giants. Right. Right. And Seattle said, "Well, okay, let me tell you what we think of the Giants." Right. Their most recent win, you know, it was 27-13. It's the dispatching of our said New York Giants. That's a convincing data point for me. Uh, you know, it, it proves that, you know, while the team's still operating with a bit of talent deficit, Seattle is, um, you know, they, they still get it done. I mean, week six, was it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, week six, they took down Arizona. It was ugly, you know, but they won. Right. Uh, and, you know, three weeks later, uh, you know, it's you know, it kind of helps me to, you know, look at, you know, what the season sweep narrative might look at. So I, I think, look, I'm not looking to DK Metcalf. He's still dealing with his knee issue, you know, as some kind of, you know, equalizer. I, I, it, it's just Kenneth Walker. That, that guy, again, yeah. I talked about him on Monday. He's just maddingly, maddingly incredible. Uh, very, very violent runner. Um, and he's just been outstanding all October ever since he came in for Penny. So look, you know, Pete Carroll, he's just constantly defying the odds, no matter what he has in front of him. Uh, Arizona's been falling short of expectations. So, like I said, I'm done doubting. Give me Seattle. Fair point. I'd say the big difference between when the Cardinals faced Seattle earlier in the year is they did not have DeAndre Hopkins. They have DeAndre Hopkins now. I still think that's a big X factor in this one. I'm going to take the home team and go with the Cardinals. You got the Seahawks. So, we'll see where we land on Monday. But I I love the over. What are you leaning with that? Uh, yeah, I could definitely say over for sure. Uh, you know, 49, that's right on a key number. Uh, you know, that's basically we're looking at uh, right now 50 and a half. So I figure we could definitely see those seven touchdowns combined between the two of them offensively. Uh, 50 and a half, <clears throat> that's just basically asking for another field goal. I like the over. All right, let's move on to the Packers and the Lions. Packers, oh, yeah, yeah. What are we looking at for the odds in this one, Robert? Only because we have to. Yep. The Green Bay Packers opened up as a three and a half point favorite. That number is still the same. The total kind of danced, opened 49, went up to 50. Now it's sitting at 49 and a half, Allie. So the Lions have let me down the past few weeks. I had them cover, not only covering, I had them beating the Dolphins last week. They probably should have, but they did. They were they were shut out in the second half and allowed Miami to not only win but cover thirty one to twenty seven. So that was a heartbreaker for me. They should have probably covered at least against the Cowboys the prior week. Jamal Williams fumbled at the one yard line when he was going in for a touchdown. That was a big uh, that was a big turnover on de- on uh, that led to the Cowboys scoring. But I am going to take the Lions again on this one. I said last week, especially when the Browns were facing the the Bengals. When it comes to two teams that are division rivals, and if they're playing at home, if I see a three and a half point spread and the home team is the underdog, I always take the home team. 
especially in this one with two teams that are struggling. This game could easily come down to the end. We could have a touchdown, not a touchdown, we could have a field goal game. And in that case, whether the Lions win or lose, I want that extra half point. So I love the Lions in this one. It's actually one of my favorite bets of the week to go along with the Titans. I think the Lions bounce back. I think the Packers are actually a bit deflated after not making a deal at the deadline. I know Alan Lazard might be back this week, but I think Aaron Rodgers must be bitter that they didn't go out and get uh, get a receiver. Whether that are factors into how they play is another story, but I'm taking the Lions. How about you, Robert? Yes, this is sure. I mean, for, for a while, I thought Detroit could have, you know, been there with a whole lot of fireworks each week, but I mean, I'm just looking at their record. They're one and six. So, you know, the, the defense has been absolutely terrible. Like, they're the worst in the league overall. You know, and it's set to meet, you know, Packers offense that probably might just be figuring things out. You know, they, they well, they kind of came back from behind with, with Buffalo and kept it within, you know, the spread, you know, that, that we laid. But, I, I, I mean, look, I think the Lions have an offense that tends to be capable of just, like, keeping up. You know, there, there's a couple of – stinkers out there that they just forgot you know that they've got an offense now really i'm, I'm concerned because tj hawkinson's no longer there, right. so they'll probably have to you know figure out how they're going to probably target st brown 25 times i guess <laughs> uh, look i don't have a lot of confidence in detroit but if the packers don't build on what they put together in orchard park they're going to get caught and shit, I mean, Dan Campbell's bunches, did they just do for a win, right? Yeah. With three and a half, I, I think they cover that. A small outside shot at a win, but they definitely cover the three and a half. All right, let's move on to the Vikings and Commanders. And we talked Monday. Commanders making some noise. They're back to 500, four and four. They're right back in the wild card race. Vikings obviously just made the big deal for TJ Hawkinson. What are we looking at the odds here? Yeah, exactly. Uh, with Irv Smith having a high ankle sprain, that pretty much puts him out for the rest of the year. Maybe we see him in the playoffs, but doesn't really matter uh, because <laughs> they went ahead and, and got themselves the tight end that they needed uh, in Hawkinson, and we just talked about a few minutes ago. We opened up Minnesota as a three-point favorite. Uh, yeah, that wasn't good. I, I knew it would get hit, and it did. It went up to three and a half and then quickly to four. But I think that that's the ceiling as we're all sitting at three and a half, the total 43 and a half, Allie. I'm riding on the Taylor Heineke train. I'm 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 going to still go with that. I think the Vikings, even though their record says differently, I think they are an overrated team. I think they've gotten a lot, a lot, a lot of lucky wins as of late. You look back, uh, I believe two weeks ago. When, or three weeks ago when they played Miami without Tua in that game, they were outgained by, I want to say, in a ratio for two to one. But Skyler, the combination of Skylar Thompson, Teddy Bridgewater made some big mistakes. If you look at last week, Arizona could have easily upset them if it wasn't for that botch pun at the end. I, I, I like Minnesota. I think they're a good team. But I think having to go to Washington where the commanders now have a have – they won three in a row. Two with Taylor Heineke in that snooze fest of a Thursday night game against the Bears. But I think that they have a lot of motivation now. I think they're feeling good. I think Ron Rivera has them feeling confident. I'm going to go. I don't think it's an upset, but I'm going to go with the commanders to cover. How about you? Yeah, three and a half makes me want to take points again, just like in the Green Bay Detroit game. But right, that's another thing. Like, we're 
I'm waiting for Minnesota to just have that that cavern that they just step into every year and they end up, you know, losing three out of four or, or four out of six games. And it's it's not there. And they just got better, actually. I mean, I, I think that the numbers probably make me want to take the three and a half, you know, but it's, you know, even in Arizona, they, they, they were able to put up the 34 points there. So I think that they'll probably put up high 20s, low 30s again in Washington. I think Peterson is going to uh, Peterson, Patrick Peterson. I think he'll put a real lockdown on Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that Washington gets the victory here. So I'll take Minnesota to cover the spread on this one, Allie. All right. Well, we disagree again. All right. Let's get into our rapid fire round because we are running out of time as we usually do. And let's jump to Thursday night's game. Eagles and Texans, Robert. How about this one? Uh, if you're still alive in any survivor pool, a clear selection here with the 7-0 and Philadelphia Eagles at the 1-5-1 and Houston Texans. I opened it up 13. Uh, super high number on the road. As high as I could think of. And Darn it, Allie, it got pushed. <laughs> so we're at 14 in the total 45. Usually I love backing the underdog on these short weeks games, but Robert, there is nothing in this world that can compel me to back the Texans against the Eagles in this one. Tell me I'm I'm not crazy about that. <laughs> oh, you're right. Uh, I think that Houston probably won't crack double digits, uh, and I think this is going to be an easy cover for the Eagles, Allie. I hope so, because every time I hear easy cover, then it goes the opposite way that I think. <laughs> but there, but I, I said to I said to my friend the other day, I was like, I'd rather be wrong back in the Eagles than be wrong back in the Texans again. I picked the Texans the last two weeks <laughs> cover against the Raiders and against Malik Wilson, Malik Willis, and the Titans, and they did me wrong. So I'm not betting the Texans anymore this year. You're done. <laughs> until da- until Davis Mills gets benched and they get someone else, I'm not backing the Texans. Oh, no, no, no. Ugh. Anyway, let's move on to the Colts and the Patriots, Robert. How are we looking for this one? Uh, a couple of red lines here. I got some injuries that I really am curious about. But as of now, we opened up the Patriots six, got bet down because that seems to be its ceiling. So five and a half, Patriots the favorite, the total 39 and a half. I'm going with the Colts on this one. I was very impressed. Well, I shouldn't say very, but I was pleasantly impressed with Sam Ellinger, how he performed against the uh, against the commanders on short notice the last week. I think he has an, a one, one start under his belt. I know Bill Belichick coaches very well against young quarterbacks, particularly ones that are making their first starts against him. But I think five and a half is too much for me to lay with Mac Jones as quarterback of the Patriots. We saw even Zach Wilson came close to covering last week when the Jets took on the Patriots. I don't think Mac Jones is the quarterback of their future. I think he's very prone to make mistakes. The Indianapolis Colts, no matter what you think of their offense, they do have a very good defense. They do very well against the rush. They're going to take away Ramondre Stevenson's runs a lot. I'm going with the Colts to cover. How about you? Yeah, that they will. I, I definitely can understand your perspective on wanting the Patriots to win but not cover. Uh, so why not take a shot with the Colts? You know, my question was obviously, you know, banged up again, ankles. Everyone's got ankle injuries. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor is the next one. And obviously, Naheem Hines now uh, out, out of the picture, it really starts to thin out any kind of a running attack that the Colts might be able to muster. 
You don't have that. Now you got to throw. Well, now you're asking Ellinger to do that. So uh, it, it's just a weird, weird game altogether. Five and a half seems to be too much. I, I would probably side with you on taking the points with the Colts. All right, let's move on to the Bills and the Jets. Bills just got said Naheem Hines at the trade deadline. I think it was a good move for them. I think he's a solid number two backup to go behind Devin Singletary. What are we looking at for the point spread here? Yeah, Allie, actually, I think it's a great move. We opened up the Bills 13, and just an hour ago, it finally got chopped down. So we're at 12 and a half, mm-hmm. the favorite at Meadowlands against the Jets. 47 is the total. If I look at the list of teams that the Bills have beaten as of late, beat the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, beat the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, there is no way I am going to back Zach Wilson going against this Bills defense, even if the Bills are on the road. I'm taking the Bills. I know it's a high number, but like the Eagles, I just don't see the Jets scoring against them, at least not getting in the double digits. How about you? Right, that's the thing, exactly. And I mean, as long as... Allen and Diggs connect, it's almost impossible to beat this team, much less think about covering. So I also think that the the 12 and a half is reachable, and I think they win uh, very, very handily. And by the way, yeah, Hines, for, for anyone that's, you know, picked him up or is lucky enough to have him as a, um, a, a bit of an insurance policy for Taylor, well, I, you got yourself what I think is going to be a very impressive running back fits really, really well with the system that the the Buffalo Bills have, Ali. I think he'll do very, very well right from the opening uh, week here with him on uh, on Sunday against the Jets. Yeah, you know, just a, a quick side note. I was kind of surprised that a team like the Rams didn't go after Naheem Hines because you see their problems with Cam Akers, you know, why not, and the Bills were able to unload Zach Moss of that. I was very, very surprised the Rams didn't even try to pick up a guy like him, but – I'm not the GM, so let's move <laughs> on to the Panthers and the Bengals. Panthers been surprising lately. What are we looking at here, Robert? Right, yeah, you're not kidding. Uh, the Bengals, uh, I wanted to open this one up high, so uh, we did. Uh, we went eight, uh, got bet down to seven and a half, and now it's sitting at seven with a total of 42 and a half. I think that I'm finally going to jump back on the Panthers train this week. I went off it after they lost, they were blown out by the Rams and they did me and the Panthers did me no favors the past two weeks when I picked against them and they not only beat covered against the Bucks to beat the Bucks and they almost beat the Falcons last week. I just think that this is way too many points for a Bengals team delay without Jamar chasing the picture. I know that Joe Burrow still has, Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, but neither of them compared to when he has Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase and Burrow were just really starting to get the chemistry going before he got hurt. For me, it seems like Carolina has a good thing in place. They're getting a good run game behind Hubbard. Looks like PJ Walker and DJ Moore have found some impeccable chemistry, which sucks because I also dropped TJ Moore. Uh-huh. After the Rams uh, debacle, and now I'm regretting that. But I'm going to take the Panthers with the points here. How about you? Yeah, life definitely did not uh, start well with uh, no Jamar Chase for the Bengals, didn't it? I mean, yep. it, it's you're probably not going to find a more cruel defeat all year. Like, and I'm talking about the entire season than what Carolina had to deal with, uh, you know, in, in their game against the Falcons. But I honestly think that 
it's it, it's starting to come a little bit together. And Carolina obviously is in full rebuild mode. I think the seven probably is going to be a good enough number for Carolina to stay close. Uh, I, I think the Bengals win, uh, but I think that the Panthers cover this one. All right. Yep. So we both agree on that one. Let's go to two very disappointing teams, and that's the Raiders and the Jaguars. Robert, what are we looking at here? This one, uh, pretty much right from right from the first thing that I wanted to do. It's just two teams that are headed backwards, but I, I had to slot them someplace in my power rank. So the Raiders are going to be a one-point favorite on the road in Jacksonville, the total 48. Ugh, I have to pick a team here. <laughs> I'm going to lean Raiders. I, I know that it's in Jacksonville. The Raiders have been horrible. You even made a reference to the exorcist the other day <laughs> describing this team. But uh, I'm going to go with the Raiders on this one. I think that one, Trevor Lawrence is more prone to make a mistake than even Derek Carr, even though Derek Carr makes a lot of mistakes. I think Devontae Adams bounces back and has a good game after getting only one catch last week. The Jaguars do not have a good run defense at all. I think Josh Jacobs is going to run all over them. Yes, the Raiders don't have a good run defense either, so Travis Etienne is set to have a big game. But basically, I'm just trying to compare position by position, and I'll take who I feel like I can rely a little more on, and that is the the Derek Carr and Devontae Adams tandem, other not the Trevor Lawrence and whoever he feels like throwing to, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones whichever Jones he wants to throw to this week. So I'm going to side with the Raiders. How about you? Ah, uh, yeah, the exorcist. Uh, <laughs> look, you know, it's, it's, you can't take away from right? They literally look lifeless uh, against New Orleans. Right. And the Raiders. They were just so, so bad. And it feels like when we were talking about like Trevor Lawrence and how he was like starting to build, and, and start to get some confidence going. That feels like it happened like in World War II. Oh, right? yeah, no. So long. I mean, look, matchups between struggling teams you know, tend to kind of get weird, and it's already been a really strange NFL season. Uh, I will take the home dog. Plus one, give me Jacksonville, plus one here. All right. I don't blame anyone for going either way on that. Let's go with two teams that were very active yesterday at the trade deadline, and that's the Dolphins and the Bears, Robert. What are we looking at here? Yes, Miami uh, open five, went down to four and a half, back to five. Uh, so five points better in Chicago, the total 45 and a half, Allie. This is a tough one for me because I want to back Miami so bad. I, I really think that they upgraded a ton with Bradley Chubb. Maybe it takes them a week to get to get in. The Bears, they no longer have Robert Quinn. They no longer have Roquan Smith, who went to the Ravens. They have Chase Claypool now. I don't think he makes a big difference. But the the Bears have been playing well lately. They have. And now Miami has to go onto the road in Chicago. Chicago is a very different place to play. We all know Soldier Field is one of the toughest venues for opposing teams. They're not going to have to worry at all about whether it's supposed to be nice there. So I'm not factoring any of that in. I just feel like in this in this game, the Bears will play them close. I don't think the Bears win, but I do think they pounded on the ground. Miami still doesn't have the best defense. I think the Bears find a way to keep it close and cover. How about you? 
Yeah, I mean, look, what you, yeah, Chicago, what, what are we doing here? Are you buying? Are you selling? Are you doing a little bit of both? Yeah. Right, and so I guess, you know, I, I saw someone ask, hey, look, you know, Allen just needed to find somebody in year three, and he got digs, and now look, you know, and, and then, of course, you, you compare all these quarterbacks. I mean, Hertz gets A.J. Brown in his third year, and so now he's having success. Maybe that's what they're figuring with Chicago, so I guess you could give – uh, I guess you could give the GM Ryan Poles a you know a little bit of uh, of a clap, maybe a golf clap for for helping out Justin Fields, you know, and, and getting Chase Chase Claypool from the Steelers. But the defense is now completely just done. There's there's nothing there. Right. And I I I've got Miami significantly higher now. Uh, you know, AFC they are going to be you know right right there at the very end in in, in my book. I mean, look, yeah, it, it was a weird one, but they did beat Buffalo, right? So Miami, I think here is a five-point favorite. Uh, I think they get the win and the cover here for the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I went back and forth on this one, and there's just something about the Bears. I feel like that number should be higher, and the fact that it's low just makes me reconsider something. Sure, sure. And then I thought more, you know, because I thought, well, the Bears, their defense is decimated. And now they have to go against Tua and Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. But then I thought, wait, didn't Miami just play the Lions and they nearly lost to the Lions? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That so true. now they got to go into Chicago. Listen, I don't think Chicago wins at all. I don't even think that they come. I think there's a good chance, though, for a back to recover. I think that Fields utilizes his legs a lot. They are going to draw out the defense, they are going to probably balance, if not try to take over the time of possession. So for me, I just feel like I rather four points with the home, four and a half points with the home team, but could be wrong as always. All right, let's go to the chargers and the Falcons, Robert. What are we looking at here? Yeah. Steady locked in number here. Uh, chargers, a three point favorite in the total 49 hours. Yeah, this is one Falcons didn't cover the last two games, but I'm going to still ride with the Falcons. They're one of the best covers this year. They get points now again. They were favored last week, and they didn't They didn't cover. I think that this week going up against the Chargers, the Chargers, they have a t- they're tough. They, they have a lot of injury concerns. I think especially on the defense that the Falcons will look to run the ball a lot behind, behind Tyler Aguirre. I think that Marcus Mariota will use his legs. I just think that the Chargers still are way too beat up. I don't even know who who Justin Herbert's going to throw to this week. It doesn't look like Keenan Allen's practicing. I don't know if he's going to play. Mike Williams is going to be out. I believe Joshua Palmer is still questionable. For me, there's just too many injuries on the Chargers. I'm going to go with Atlanta. How about you, Robert? You know, it's another great point. I mean, exactly. Who who will they throw to? Is it just going to be Austin Eckler all day? I That's not a formula you know for winning atlanta is four and four after all and they're still a covering machine one of the tops in the entire league against the spread you know i i don't know what what's what's tedesco doing there you know they had a deadline they they could have helped themselves out i suppose that they're you know probably their treasure chest is barren as well and they couldn't find anyone to hook up with but i mean look they could have gotten Kadarius tony why not who cares if you've got allen and and williams they're not helping you now uh, and actually, hey, wait a second. Green Bay could have gotten Kadarius Tony. What happened there? You know, I forget. I I I I, I'm, I can't do this anymore. I, I <laughs> digging on them, it's not even fair anymore. Uh, 
Atlanta, like I said, they're, they've been doing really, really great things with what was supposed to be a broken season. So, you know, the, the benefits of having, you know, an ever-dependable kicker, like Young Huku has just been booting great field goals in overtime, and it's just an incredible thing where the, the Falcons just don't blink, right? They just go out and they, they take whatever they can get. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just nice that, you know, to see that Arthur Smith, you know, can give Mariota, you know, a chance to make some plays with his arm, you know, a- after weeks of just like run dominant game scripts. So um, I'll take the points here. <laughs> right. I'll take plus three, uh, you know, Atlanta four and four, getting points again at home against a Chargers offense that's questionable. Looks like a good spot to take the home dog again. All right. We agree on that one. Let's finish this segment with the Ravens and the Saints, the Monday night game. What are we looking at here, Robert? Uh, Open this one with what I thought was going to be the right number. We opened it up Baltimore three. Uh, It wasn't. Uh, It went up to four. uh, And then it went down to three and a half, three. So this one's all over the place now. The Saints are now only two and a half point dogs at home on Monday night with a total of 48 and a half. I'm going to ride with the Saints on this one. I think Alvin Kamara is back. We saw how great of a game he just had against the 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 Raiders this past week I know that the Ravens did just get Roquan Smith but in this one I just think that Alvin Kamara is going to run all over the team I think that they're going to utilize Taysom Hill a lot I think I think the Saints are a bad matchup for the Ravens actually I just think that I think that their offense matches up very well against the Ravens defense so I'm going to go with the home dog how about you that's fair it's a good assessment too especially home dogs has just been such a great great formula yeah, uh, and it just just it, it's so Jekyll and Hyde though with the Saints. I really still can't figure them out, and you know, you know we're we're entering the second half right now, and I, I suppose we just saw the good version of Dennis Allen's bunch, you know, and then you know they, you know, totaled you know Las Vegas, and it was Kamara, you know, he came out and just torched them, and I think that if we see the same from them, we could see them turn into a you know a, a above five hundred team. I don't know if we're going to see that here against Baltimore, though. Baltimore has definitely been clicking, you know, in in many of the right directions. They have been susceptible to giving up leads. So I could see the Ravens coming up with a lead here again in New Orleans and then watch the Saints come crawling back. But because it's now two and a half and the only thing I care about is the number at hand, uh, Allie, I I think that we're probably – looking at a Ravens victory and cover here. Uh, so I'll take Baltimore here for Monday night. That's a good point because if I do see, again, I'm just taking the Saints for harvestable purposes. My spreads closed Tuesday night, which I did get the Saints at plus three, and three is a, bit, a much bigger difference than two and a half. So with Saints plus three, that's where I'm relying on two and a half. I'd probably stay away from. But in this game, I'm actually going to lean on the under on this one. How about you? Fair enough, yeah, and definitely with the addition of standout linebacker uh, Roquan Smith, uh, under definitely is is a right side for me too. Perfect. So we are wrapping up, but we have a few more minutes left. So let's go on to the few people who are still remaining in their survivor pool. Robert, you and I both mentioned that the Eagles are a definite, but if people have already picked the Eagles, who are some teams they should keep an eye on? Right, and so the, the one that I looked at, for just that reason alone, 
may seem dangerous, but I, I think seems appropriate as we talked about it and touched on it earlier. Uh, I think the Patriots definitely pick up the win here. Literally no zero value after this. It only gets more and more difficult and against the Colts team that already is, you know, weak at running back. And now with Taylor as, as possibly not playing either, they'll have to rely on Ellinger. I don't think the Colts get to 10 points. I think the Patriots definitely get the win. So for me, those without the Eagles, and there's plenty of you without them now, uh, the Patriots, this is probably your last stand to take them here in week number nine. That's a good point. My other pick that I did like is the the Dolphins over the Bears. I mentioned that I like the Bears to cover. I still like the Dolphins to win. I think this is one of the last few weeks you can take the Dolphins as a definite as well. We still don't know what we're going to get for them from week to week. Obviously, the Bills over the Jets, if you still have hung on to your Bills pick. And even though it's a big spread and I think that the Panthers will cover, I would still go with the Bengals. You don't even know when you could pick the Bengals oh. next because Jamar Chase is out. But I do think that they will beat the Panthers, even though I do like the Panthers to cover. So the Bengals are my other survivor pool pick. Well, we are running out of time. So before we head up, we sign off, I wanted to open the floor to Robert and see Robert, any last thoughts or advice to give to the audience? Yeah. You know, we, we did also talk a little bit about it. It's been just too, too much. I mean, NFL football is king without a doubt, but heck, you know, we've got some, you know, really darn good matchups coming up in the college slate as well. Uh, SEC is pretty much ruling the day, and we're going to see Tennessee 8-0 play Georgia at 8-0. Uh, we've got Georgia as an eight-point favorite. Uh, Tennessee's just been an incredible story, so we've got that to look forward to. That's going to happen in the afternoon on Saturday. Uh, and then there's Alabama and LSU. I can't – I mean, it's the SEC, right, and we can – you know, argue about that and whether or not they're, you know, the, the cream of the crop. But Alabama, seven and one, a 13 point favorite at LSU, six and two on the year as well. So lots of really great sports as we're keying in to November. Of course, World Series, we're looking at uh, game number four here. It's almost a pick em right now with Philadelphia hosting Houston tonight. Uh, and I mean, it, on and on it goes. College basketball is going to be here on Monday. So so much more to look at here at the Nothing But Locks podcast. Yeah, I think with the college games, I'm going to go with the Georgia Bulldogs to cover, and I'm actually going to pick the LSU Tigers to cover at home. How about you, Robert? Uh, I can't see any fault in that at all. Georgia, I think, definitely will handle uh, their their game without a doubt. LSU could probably keep it close at home. Um, eh, we've said that a few times with Alabama, but no, I, I think there's going to be enough in the tank for Alabama to take the win, but not cover. I'm, I'm with you there as well. All right. And I'm taking the Phillies tonight as well. I had the Phillies in six when Robert and I talked about this last week. I'm going to hang on the Phillies. I think they win tonight. I think Houston will win game five, force a game six. And then I think Philly will close it out in six. So sticking with my pick, how about you for the World Series, Robert? Oh, I can't change it now either. I got to take all right. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you, everyone, for joining. And Robert and I will be back Monday to recap a wild week in sports. Take care.